she yells your name again. And then you yell back, like, yeah. And she says nothing. And then she yells your name again. And then you don't. You're like, she's not going to hear me. So why? And then she, she comes up to the room. and like, why aren't you answering me? Right? Like this whole thing with call and response from your mom. Like my mom, I have a twin. I have an older brother. So if one of us didn't answer, she could always call the next one. So did I purposefully not answer sometimes knowing that she might call one of the other brothers? Yes. Yes. And if, you've, if you have siblings, you're welcome for that trick. One of my other favorite things is um, when it comes to like this call and response, uh, it was super annoying, but at basic training, I had to start every sentence with drill sergeant and then end it with drill sergeant. Do you know how annoying that is when you're trying to like talk to them about something? Drill sergeant, specialist Marty requesting permission to speak. Drill sergeant, speak. Drill sergeant, uh, I need this, this, this. Drill sergeant, why do you need that? Drill sergeant, I need to, that's so dumb, right? We should all at some point to like Pastor Jason, whenever you guys talk to Pastor Jason, start it with Pastor Jason and then end it. <laughs> He's like, please, please don't. Uh, <laughs> I also love this, 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 you know, you hear your name. Like, you know, your mom can yell at you at a theme park. She can say your name at a theme park when it's loud or a church or anywhere. And you just know the sound of your mom's voice, right? You just know. It'll cut through. My mom used to do this thing where uh, she would, back in the day, some of the worst people would sit on the stage or the pastor's wives, pastora, would like sit on like these fancy little big old chairs on the platform. And if we, the PKs, were like acting up, me and my brothers, instead of like my mom making a scene because we don't want to embarrass her, like for like fighting, she would do this thing. True story. She would like, like we're squirrels. She would go, just like that, at that volume. And I don't know what it is, but she trained us like little dogs because we all would go. Like we would know. My dad could be preaching. When my dad preached, I, this is, if, I, if I yell, it's because my dad was a yeller when he preached. And so while the music was playing or whatever, my mom would go, and we would hear it, and we'd know that we were in trouble. I love what's happening right now. Dottie is getting to the age where she recognizes our voices. And so, like, if I walk into the room and I say something, she turns around and gives me that cute gummy smile. Or when some of you who she knows and you've held her and you've taken care of her, you know, like, she knows your voice. I think of, like, Rob's or I think of Emily. Like, both of you have really spent time with Dottie, so she knows your voice. Or Julian, her boyfriend, right? Apparently, Dottie loves Julian, and she's the only one that can get her to smile and have a problem with that, right? Or Gio, when he says Dottie Linda, right? Like, literally, that's his nickname for her. Nobody else uses it, right? So Dottie knows my voice. She knows how to respond to my voice. And so, in our lives, we're surrounded with the call and the response of our name. People learn our names, and they call our names, and we respond. And you, are, I, you and I are naturals at responding. We know how to respond. So the question tonight is, why is it so hard for us to respond to God when he calls to us? Why is it hard? What is it about that moment when we feel like God might be speaking to us why is it hard for us to respond? That's not a knock on you. That's a genuine question. Why? I asked myself, because I was born and raised in a church. All right? I didn't act like it all the time. Your boy was kind of a hood rat. But born and raised in church, I kind of had an idea. But for some of us, it's like, Pastor, when you say respond to God, what does that even mean? 
And so I wanted to talk to you tonight. I actually had a whole other message. And at a retreat that uh, I, I got to play at, uh, do worship for, uh, the Lord spoke to me about this. So I really feel like it's a word for us. And in hearing Pastor Joey's message last night, it only confirmed it. So tonight you may feel out of control. You may feel overwhelmed, tired, busy, but I want to tell you that there's help for the hustle. There's help for the hustle. So far, we've seen Jesus handle the the busyness of life uh, by practicing silence and solitude, which is week one. Everybody remember that, right? Yeah. You know, also practicing meditating on scripture, which was week two. And so tonight, we're going to look at uh, a story of a man named Ananias who said the words, Here I am. Say, here I am. He shows us our help for the hustle tonight, and that is, throw it up on the screen. When God speaks, respond. If you're taking notes, which I hope you are, which I hope you are, when God speaks, respond. We're going to learn how to do that as quickly as we possibly can because I want you to respond tonight. I want to give you space and time to do Exactly what we did. What we just did in that moment basically preached the message for me. God moved, and what did we do? We took some time to respond. Now I'm going to show you in the Bible a story that teaches us how to respond. Are you ready for God's word? If you're ready, say, oh, yeah. If you're ready, say, "Uh uh-huh. And can I get a big, uh (laughs) let's pray. Lord, this is your word, not mine. And so don't let me preach it in a way that you didn't intend it to be preached. And so as we take a look into the life of Ananias in this pivotal moment of the life of Christianity itself, the culture, the following of you, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see what it means to follow you in Jesus' name. And everybody says, turn to your Bible, if you got your Bible with me, to Acts chapter 9. We're going to start with verse 10 and go all the way through verse 19. Acts chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, I want to give you a Bible. So if you don't have a Bible, find me at the service. I want to give you a Bible. If you do have your Bible, turn it on or flip to your Bible or click your Bible app. And if you don't have a Bible app on your phone, we got something called the Sky Bible. And so throw it up on the screen. Acts 9, starting with verse 10. Here we go. Y'all ready? All right, here we go. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. What up, Ananias? The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. That's funny. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. Say Saul. Very important guy. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias, which is you, Ananias, come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Pause for a second. Keep that verse up. Pause for a second. Context, okay? Context. This guy named Saul was on his way to Damascus, and all of a sudden, while he was riding his horse, he gets knocked off of his horse because Jesus himself shows up, right? incarnated. He has this radical moment with Jesus and then goes blind. Okay, you're like, is that going to happen tonight? No, you're good. You're good because y'all are not as bad as who Saul was. And I'll talk about Saul here in a bit. In a minute. Some of y'all know this guy was a bad, bad man. So he is blind. 
And Jesus talks to him. He now just witnessed this, this crazy moment. And now he's basically praying to God. He's like, whoever you are, the person that I've been persecuting Christians for, like, I need help. So that's what happened. So Ananias is a disciple, and God calls him and says, Ananias, I need you to go. He knows you're coming because he's seen in a vision. He's praying. I need you to go heal this guy. All makes sense. When I say tracking, you say tracking. Tracking? That's how we do it in the army. Huh? All right. But Ananias, so, sorry, verse 12, and he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. 13, but Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Next slide. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. So he went, right? And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Next slide. And everybody say immediately. Something like the scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taken food. He was strengthened. Our help for the hustle tonight is when God speaks, respond. So how do we respond to when he speaks? Let's look at it. Number one, everybody write this down. With availability. With, what do I mean by that? Let's look at verse 10 for a second. Let's look back at it. Now there was a disciple on Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Stop there. We see these words, here I am, Lord. We see in three words, Ananias has just made himself available. Right? Notice that when my mom used to call me and I didn't answer, that means what? I ain't available. I'm too busy playing the game. Talking on uh, AOL Instant Messenger to a girl. You know, some of y'all have no idea what AIM is, but that's okay. We see in three words, he said, God... I'm ready to listen. God, I'm ready to hear what you have to say. So, Excel, check this out. How many of us miss out on God wanting to speak to us because we're too busy? Because we're too busy hustling. Some of us aren't busy physically. Like, we're, we're not like busy bodies, not always having to move. We're alcoholics. But the majority of us are busy mentally. There's a lot of things happening in our mind. There's a lot of things happening in our emotions and in our life, and we are too busy. And that's the majority of the time when God wants to speak, it's to our hearts. So if our hearts and our minds are busy, are clouded, are too busy hustling, are too busy grinding, trying to figure out how to get their life together, your life together, you can miss out on the voice of God. You could. The first thing you and I need to do is respond to God with this. I know you are wanting to speak to me, so I'm ready to listen. He has three words. In three words, here I am, Lord. Sorry, four technically. Postured and positioned himself to receive whatever God has for him in that moment. Here I am. Listen, God is not mute and he's not deaf. He speaks 
He speaks by putting things on our hearts, putting thoughts in our minds that normally we, that's not us that we would normally think, right? For Pastor Ariel, what you saw was a moment where God spoke to her and said, hey, there's somebody here. So Pastor Ariel felt it in her heart. God developed it in her mind. He said, hey, I want you to tell this to the people because there's somebody here that needs to give me another shot. So Pastor Ariel could have made an excuse. Well, I'm not. Pastor Izzy's on a roll up there, whatever. She's made herself available. And when God spoke, she responded. She made herself available. Stay available. Another way that you and I can respond to God is this, with obedience. With obedience. Because we can hear what God has to say. But how many of us are willing to do it? There's so many stories in the Bible. I think of Jonah, right? Like, it's not in my notes, but Jonah, hearing the word of the Lord. Go, tell Nineveh to repent, and I'll save them. And because of his prejudice, and because Jonah was racist, he was a prejudiced man, a prophet of God, prejudiced. He decided, I'm available but I'm not going to go. So there's a level of obedience that we need. How do I know this? Let's look at uh, verse 13 and 14. Next slide. Lord, he says, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who can call on your name. So check this out. What am I saying here? What am I saying here? Ananias, in the conversation he's having with God, is saying, God, um, I hear what you're saying. But I don't know if you know this, but this is a bad man. This is a very, very bad man. I wrote this. Ananias knew who Saul was. Why? Because everybody knew who Saul was because Saul was a murderer. Saul was a killer. But it worked all the time. How many of us make excuses when it comes to doing what we're supposed to do? I like your honesty. Thank you. She rose her hand. She's like me. I'd say me. I like the honesty here. Whether it's homework, making excuses, y'all don't want to do your work, right? Whether it's working out, me and Jonathan Aliota have been hitting the gym. And I'll tell you what, 5 a.m., a lot of excuses happen. You're like, man, there's so many things I could be doing right now, primarily sleep, right? I can't work out in my dreams. No, you can't. That's, that's an excuse. Your chores, all right, throwing out trash, sweeping. I make excuses. Pastor Ariel says amen. Amen. You name it. Someone has an excuse for it. Think of it. Someone has an excuse for it. Or some of us can't just be told what to do without knowing why we need to do it. There's a certain age that toddlers get that they start asking, why? I had a cousin who was like that. His name was Miguel. He, it was like late at night one time. I'm like, hey, man, it's time to go see. Why? Because Dios says so. Why? Because if you don't, I'm going to knock you clean out. Why? <laughs> like, night, night, done. No. Do not hit him. Child abuse. Oh, yes, why? And sometimes as a leader, sometimes like as a dad or some, like as a pastor, sometimes stopping to tell you why in that moment takes up a lot of time, and there's some things that you just need to do. You just need to go. Uh, call that, you know, call the soldier in me out, but I couldn't ask a drill sergeant why he wanted me to do certain things. 
because he would knock me clean out, right? I'd be doing push-ups till today, right? So like there's some of us and we don't do things when God asks us to do it because sometimes he doesn't give us our why. And we miss out on growing in faith and growing in obedience and growing in strength when we sit there asking. Now, I do understand and I know that God understands that you and I are timid and sometimes we're weak and sometimes we just really do need why we need to do this. Because sometimes when God speaks to us, it doesn't make sense. To Ananias, this kind of didn't make sense because Saul was a bad man. Saul was a murderer. Look at verse 15, next slide. But the Lord said to him, so check this out. Put it up there, and and I'll talk about it. Because God knows that we're weak, and because God knows that sometimes we just won't move without answers, this is the grace of God. This is the mercy of God, all right? So the fact that God doesn't have to explain himself, but he does, means he loves you. Means that he wants to help you. Means that there's purpose and plan for your life, right? So sometimes your parents say, I need you to do this. And you say, why? Because they say, because I, because I said so, right? I love that God isn't like that with us sometimes. Sometimes with me, he is, but that's my relationship with him because I need that. I just need to go. I love, Jonathan and I had this thing, and I told the lit leaders this, but uh, a lot of us don't do what God is calling us to do because we stop to have a conversation with ourselves. And a Navy SEAL named Jocko uh, Willings is one of my favorite podcasters right now. Some lady asked him, hey, you know, you, you get up every morning at the crack of dawn. Now, this is a Navy SEAL. This guy's jacked. Jiu-Jitsu, black belt, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, black belt. This guy's tough, man. He's, he's, he's the man. This guy's got bodies on him. Uh, he's a body stacker. Now, what's the conversation like? When you get up in the morning and you don't want to do something. He looks at this lady in the face. I love this. This is the most gangster thing. He goes, what conversation? She's like, oh, okay, I understand. He goes, no, for real. What conversation? And, and when he began to explain his response, he's like, the second I have a conversation on why I shouldn't get up and work out in the morning, I've already lost. Because the second you have that conversation on why you shouldn't do something, the statistics skyrocket of you not actually doing what you should do. And so a lot of you, when God speaks to you, I truly believe some of you are called to start a Christian club in your school, but you're too busy having a conversation with yourself on why you're not qualified to do it. And I'm here to tell you, God doesn't call the qualified. That is on every bumper sticker. That is on every Instagram bio for every oversaved person. Like, that's, it's everywhere. God doesn't call the qualified. He calls the willing and qualifies qualifies them. But listen, you got to be willing first. How about willing to not have that conversation with yourself? I truly believe God is speaking to those of you in your life. You know you have a sin issue. You know you have an addiction. You know you have a problem, but you're too busy having a conversation with yourself on why you, this thing, this relationship, this addiction should stick around, or why you feel like you can't get over it, or why you feel like you can't get over her, or get over him, or why you feel like you can't get sober. Once you have that conversation, the stats go up on you not being able to do it. And so there's sometimes in our faith life, when, when God says to do it, we don't have a conversation, we do it. We do it. Everybody say period like Donna. God doesn't need to explain himself, but because he knows you and I can be timid and weak, he sometimes does. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. But the Lord said to him, this is him explaining. 
He said, go. Say, go. Say one more time, go. Where's the option there? I don't see it. I don't see, hey, uh, Ananias, when you're ready. I don't see, hey, Ananias, when you find a babysitter. Hey, Ananias, when you feel comfortable, well, when you feel like you have the authority or the experience, no. What does God say? Say it. For he has chosen, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias, what? Departed and entered the house. He got up and he went. He got up and he went. XL, listen to me. God may be calling you to face the thing or person you fear the most. Look at it. Ananias is like, this guy kills Christians. He kills Christians. This guy hunts Christians down for the Roman Empire and murders them. Saul had had martyrs on his resume. He was a killer, a torturer. This man is not what the world would say worthy of saving. This guy belongs in prison. This guy belongs at a death sentence for if Christians were governing, this guy would be on the number one hit list for the FBI. This is the guy you don't mess with. This is the guy that with one word from him, Ananias, his friends, his family, they would all die. Gone for following Jesus. And God is asking, not asking, sorry. God is telling him to go and see this man. And heal him. Heal him. Heal his enemy. Some of you, God is calling you to your enemies. There are people in your school that you don't like. And you know they don't like you. God is calling you to them. The people or the thing that you fear the most. To go and pray over them. To go and witness to them. To be kind to them when they're not kind to you. To be gracious, to be forgiving when they're not to you. And that's a whole nother message. But listen, Excel, you have to say, here I am. You have to acknowledge God, but you have to say, here I am. But how do we get to that here I am moment? How, how do we get there? And that question leads me to my last point with this. We can respond with faith. With faith. Let's read verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go. Everybody say, go. Go. For he is chosen instrument of mine to carry. Obviously, God had a plan. He's not sending Ananias for no reason. You are not in your school just because that was your neighborhood school. You are not in your school because that's the school you applied for. You are in your school because God has you placed there for a specific reason, for a specific time, and that's right now. I believe, like, you are not at Lakeview as an accident. You aren't at Taft. You aren't at Foreman. You aren't at Lane. You aren't uh, Chicago Academy, Prosser, Mary Lyon. I can just keep going down the list. All the schools that y'all go to, you are not there by accident. You are there for a purpose. You are there for a plan. God has you there, and he wants to use you. But you have to say, here I am. And you have to have faith. 
Go to the next slide. The next verse. So watch what happens. So he goes, and as, as, his, as he lays his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came and sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's crazy. Watch. And immediately, say immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Watch this. Do you know how much courage and faith it must have taken to do this? Again, and Ananias knows who this is. Saul's reputation preceded him. Saul, Saul, again, bad man. This takes faith. This takes faith. This takes trust in God. This isn't a casual moment. This isn't like, hey, uh, Ananias, when you have time, go heal, go heal this this guy. Like he's cool. Like go, he, he'll be fine. He'll be all right. Yeah. This is this is a monumental moment in history that I'll explain here in just a moment. This moment is so important to the Christian faith, and it take and it takes and it took huge faith. There are people in your life God is calling you to. Your friends, neighbors, teachers. There are things God is calling you to. Schools, jobs, divine appointments. Watch this. There are sins that God is calling you to face. To repent from them. You will not be able to do any of this without faith. You cannot even please God without faith. Because scripture says that it's impossible to please God without faith. Without faith, Scripture says, it's impossible to please God. There's this faith moment where he says, he has an honest conversation. He says, God, I want you to know, I know who this is. This is a bad man. God says, I understand that, but you need to trust me. It took faith, not just in himself, but it took a supernatural faith in God that, God, you're sending me ultimately, if this goes bad, you're sending me to my death sentence. So don't get this moment twisted. This isn't a lighthearted, I'm just going to go heal this guy moment. This is life and death for Ananias. Faith. Faith in God. He's saying, God, I trust you. I know who you are. I love this. I love this. What happens? I asked myself this question and I did some research. What happens if Ananias says no and band, you can come up? What happens if he says no? What happens if he wasn't available, if he wasn't obedient, and if he didn't have faith? Then the Christian world as we know it would not exist. You see, Saul, after experiencing this moment, gets his name changed to who we know today as Paul, the Apostle Paul. He gets radically saved, changed his life. Check this out. Paul, the Apostle, is one of the most influential figures of the Christian faith. He founded, meaning planted, several churches in Asia Minor and in Europe. He took advantage of his standings with both Jewish and Roman citizens because he was both Jewish and a Roman citizen to bring the the gospel to them. He's accredited 13 books of the New Testament. We know him as some of the letters that he writes to churches and people. Why is Paul so important, formerly Saul? Because he took the gospel to Gentiles. Who are Gentiles? You and me. Non-Jewish people. Because of Paul, we have the gospel. Because of Paul, 
and the rest of the disciples, the gospel spurs. Time to go. Because of Paul, we have the gospel and the disciples. The, the gospel spread like wildfire across the world. The Gentiles, me, you. God used Paul to extend the family of God by including those who are not born Jew. Without Paul, there's no me and there's no you. Everybody listen up. Everybody listen. Focus on me for a second. Responding to God with faith means trusting that he is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. Meaning, if God says it, I believe it. So tonight, here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond. We're going to respond out of obedience. We're going to respond out of availability. We're going to respond out of faith. Because the reality is tonight, some of you are here and you need this moment. You need this moment. Because things in your life are getting out of control. Your emotions your relationships with people, school, work. You name it. There's things in your life where you're like, man, I, I, I just need help. This series is called Help for the Hustle for a reason. Because God doesn't treat you like a worker ant. He's not just asking you to do, 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 and do. He wants to help you. He wants to help you, the God of the universe who created heaven and earth, who created the, every fire of our being that he knows. He, he says that he knows every hair. He's counted every hair on our heads. He's placed every star by hand, and he calls them by name. The God of the world, of the universe, loves you. He created you, and he didn't lead you to leave you. And there may be some of you here you feel like you've been asking for help and you feel like God has abandoned you. And I'm here to encourage you tonight that he has not abandoned you, but he's with you and he loves you and he sees you. There's somebody here and you've said these words, I just don't feel seen. My parents don't see me. It feels like my friends, my teachers. Now there's this God that says that he loves me, but does he see me? And I'm saying he sees you and he knows you. And he's calling you by name. How do I know that? At the beginning of the story, we see God say one thing to start this dialogue off. And what was it? It was his name. Ananias. He knows your name. And he wants to help you. So you're here tonight. And you're dealing with, with, with stuff that's going on and you just need God to help you. Maybe this is your first time here and you're just like trying to figure out this whole God thing. I, I, I'm here to tell you I'm not speaking just off of a knowledge base from a book. But I've seen God work in my life in such an intimate way. Where there have been conversations where I say, God, I feel like you don't like me. And in that moment, through his presence and through his Holy Spirit, I feel his love that I can't understand, that, that, that I can't explain, but I know I feel it. And it just lifts me up. And some of you need that tonight. So across this place, let's stand. Let's stand. And we're going to play. We're going to play available. And we'll sing. But what I don't want you to do 
And this, again, this is going to take courage, and this is going to take faith, and this is going to take obedience. But I don't want you to just sing the song. I want you to find a place up here at the altar, and we'll spread out all the insides. And leaders, I need you to lead the way in this. The reason why I want you to get up out of your seat, because as we see in the story, Ananias got up and went. He got up from where he was and positioned himself in a place to be a part and receive a miracle. I'm not saying that God can't speak to you in your seat, but I know something supernatural happens in the, in the, in the spirit through his presence when you step out of where you're at and you get to a place. So what do you do in this moment? This is where you pray. You have a conversation with God. Just like you see Ananias just talk to God. There wasn't, a th he didn't quote a thousand scriptures. He didn't say, Lord God, Lord Jesus, Lord God, a bunch of times. He said, hey God, do you know this man? Yes. Awesome, I'll go. For you, God, I'm drowning in my thoughts. And the waves are hitting me hard. And I need you to lift me up out of the water of my thoughts. God, I've had this pain in my ankle for a few weeks now. I just want it to go away. It bothers me. God, my parents are fighting. And it scares me. Because I, I, I don't want them to split up. It scares me because I've never seen them fight like this before. I, I'm asking, could, could you help my parents? That's, that's the conversation that we have. That's all this is. And when you feel like you've said all that you wanted to say, you say amen, because that's you agreeing with God, and then just sit and be in his presence. And for some of you, you're going to feel God come all over you, and it's going to be amazing. And even if you don't feel that, because faith isn't based on feelings, know that God heard you. And so right now, let's do it. Let's spread across this place. Let's go ahead. Let's, let's come to the altar. Let's get out of our seats. Let's find a place. We're going to sing this song. And when we're done, I'll come back up. Leaders, if you feel prompted to pray for somebody, be obedient, go. Don't have a conversation. Just go. And so as we start singing, all I want you to do is just you can lift your hands. You can kneel. This is a great place to start. This is you saying this is the most vulnerable position that you can be in. Hey, God, I'm here. Stand, you can sit, you can kneel, you can lay down. But all I want you to do and all I ask is that you respond to this. How can God help you? Ask him to do it and then he'll do it. So right now, let's pray. Just begin praying. Just begin praying. Just begin praying. Hey, God, it's me. I know we haven't talked in a while, but I know you still want to hear from me. I need help. So this is awesome because God is moving. And when he hears you, he's paying attention. And I love that while he's listening, he's at work. The prayers that you pray didn't stop at the lights or the ceiling. But the Bible says the prayers of the righteous, meaning you and I, are powerful and effective. That when we pray, God works. God moves. And so if you presented a need to God tonight, know that God is working on your behalf. And if you're still praying 
that's okay. Continue to pray. But those of you feel like you've said all you can say, I just want you to look at me. I just want you to look at me. If you're done praying, that's okay. You can be done praying. You're not less of a sinner if other people are praying longer than you. If you're done praying, just look at me. I don't want to leave this moment without offering you this. Because it's 830 and I want to get you guys out of here. If you're here and you say you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you once had one, but you and Jesus have kind of slipped away. Jesus lived a perfect life. He did three years of ministry. He spent three years of his life for people, healing thousands of people, feeding thousands of people, Loving on people three years, devoted to people like you and me. And the world and the government at the time hated him for it. This guy is controversial. We got to get rid of him. So in an unjust trial, in an illegal trial, they put Jesus in chains. The Bible says they beat him till he was unrecognizable. His 12 best friends watching this happen. One of them being the one to betray him. Jesus betrayed by one of his friends, his closest friends. They sentenced him to the worst way you can possibly die till today. The Romans created it. It's called crucifixion. Where you hang on a cross. After being beaten, you are then there hanging, suffocating. Jesus dies. The greatest man in the world. The nicest, kindest, most loving man that has ever set foot on the soil of this planet was put to death because he was kind. Because his grace and his mercy was so controversial. But I love that the story of the gospel doesn't stop there. It continues, and it starts here at the empty tomb. Three days later, Jesus resurrected. Basically, he comes back to life, and people seen it. Jesus appeared to his disciples and appeared to people, and there was record of Jesus being alive. The empty tomb, because of this knowledge, Because we believe that Jesus died for our sins, carrying our mistakes on the cross, meaning that when you and I sin, it puts a death sentence on us. But Jesus paid that price for us. Jesus ultimately paid a price that you and I could have never paid by dying on the cross because our sin was sending us to a place that was never meant for us called hell because hell is a real place and heaven is a real place. And it's not if you are going to live forever, but where you are going to spend your eternity. And that is either heaven or hell. And because of Jesus, you have a choice and you have a gift. And that gift is called grace. And if you receive that gift of grace through believing in Jesus, you are now saved. Meaning hell, the place that was never meant for you, is no longer an option. You being saved means you are saved from the trap of sin. You are saved from hell, and you're going to heaven. That's the gospel. Jesus, kind, died for you, but he lives for you. And so Romans 10, 9 says this. 
if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, real quick, if you're here and you need to be saved, meaning you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to start a relationship with him, and you want help for the hustle, on a count of three, I just want you to slip up your hand with no one looking around, except for my leaders, just slip up your hand, put it right back down, and we're all going to say a prayer together. On a count of three, one, God loves you. Two, everything about you. There's nothing in this world that can separate you from his love. Three, if that's you and you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, just slip up your hand and you can put it right back down. Just a few more moments. Awesome, my leaders are looking. Awesome, I see that. I saw that. Anybody else? One hand, two hands are up. Anybody else? I don't want to miss out on this moment. Awesome. Okay. Great. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to say this prayer together because we're a family. And those of you who may have not raised your hand, but you really know that you need to get saved, you can say this with me. Pray this with all of your heart. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, for too long, I've kept you out of my life. I know that I'm a sinner and that I cannot save myself. No longer will I close the door when I hear you knocking. In this moment, I respond to you. By faith, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. I believe you're the son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. You bore my sins and gave me eternal life. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart. Be the Lord, the Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus.